Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Proverbs chapter 2. So far, we've really just looked at the first letter from the father to his son. If you haven't been around um, the last couple Sunday evenings, um, we've just just recently uh, started our study through the book of Proverbs, and um, really the first nine chapters are made up of ten letters from a father to his son, and uh, we're going to walk through each one of those letters. After we get through the ten letters, then we really get to all the different Proverbs as we know them um, on various topics, and we'll, we'll start going topical at that point um, and look at the various topics addressed from chapter 10 all the way to 29 um, each week. And so, but we have to go through the 10 letters first, and uh, each one of them, uh, though they have a lot of unique similarities, um, or because they have a lot of similarities, um, doesn't mean that they don't have unique attributes, is what I'm trying to say there. Um, they all do have unique attributes to themselves, and um, while the first letter was really the father trying to win his son over to the value of wisdom and picking wisdom instead of the road to folly and really trying to convince him to go that route, that was the first letter. The, this second letter we'll find um, is really how then to pursue wisdom and how to keep it. So first, he's trying to convince him to approach wisdom, and now, now that he's hopefully won the son's passion to, to pursue wisdom, and, and he's convinced the son to the merits of wisdom, now that he's really told him to go that direction, now cha- the, the, the second letter is really, how, how do you do that? How do you get wisdom? And after you get wisdom, how do you keep wisdom? How do you preserve wisdom? And, and that's really what this second letter is all about. It's, it's the entirety of chapter 2, um, and so we will be looking at 22 verses today, and I will march through it quickly, okay? Um, you can trust me, though I'm not sure everyone in this room trusts me on my time lengths, but, <laughs> but I will. And so um, uh, the outline, if you're, if you're a note taker or anything like that, um, this is kind of the outline that I see at least chapter 2 taking. Uh, firstly, uh, he says what it takes to get wisdom, because it takes something to get to pursue wisdom. What it takes to get wisdom. It's verses 1 through 5. And then verses 6 through 19 are what it gives to have wisdom. First five verses, what it takes to get wisdom, what it takes from you to get it, and then 6 through 19, what it gives to have wisdom. And then verses 20, 21, and 22 are really just concluding thoughts um, as he finishes up his second letter to his son. So, firstly, what it takes to get wisdom. If you want wisdom in your life, if you're interested in pursuing wisdom in your life, and I hope and pray that you are, this is what it takes according to the Father. Let me read the verse, first five verses. And notice as I do this if-then structure that he takes on in these first five verses. My son... Starting in verse 1, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, 
making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. And it keeps going here. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If, verse 4, you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. And I hope that's what you want. You want knowledge from God. You want understanding and the fear of the Lord to reside within you. If you do those things, one through four, then five, then you will find wisdom. I guess it's something to ask then, all of us. How far would you go to get something? How far would you go to get something you really want? I remember uh, when Sarah was pregnant with Judah. Uh, You don't really want to stand in the way of a pregnant woman and her cravings. And so... I remember we were in Springfield, and uh, she was really craving. She had different cravings throughout the pregnancy, all so bizarre. And um, I mean, if you're, you know, I'm not making this junk up, right? It's 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 real. Um, so she was really craving cherry ice cream. Uh, that's not the weirdest of the weirdest, right? Um, I'm trying to think of the. Doesn't matter. I'm getting off my tension on my time limit. Cherry ice cream wasn't the weirdest one, but it was unique enough where it's hard to find, right? And, but she was bound to get it, and which meant I was bound to really be the one to get it. And so she has me at like 10 p.m. driving around town seeing what gas stations are open. And I'm like, do you have cherry ice cream? And you can just, the guy's like, seriously, like we barely have milk. What are you asking cherry ice cream? And I'm like, it's worth asking, you know, and you go to the Walmarts, and, and you just can't find it, but uh, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have been welcomed back home unless I had cherry ice cream, and so um, it's just that thing, like, what are you willing to do unless you, unless you, uh, if, if you really want it, what are you willing to do for it, and for Sarah, it was a lot, even kicking her husband out. Um, now, think about it when it comes to God's wisdom. How how bad do you want God's wisdom? How bad do you want the fear of the Lord to reside within you? And how much effort would you put into receiving God's wisdom? Something I have to think about. I don't know about you, but I find myself apathetic. Maybe a word I'm more comfortable with is content. I'm content with where I'm at with my walk with God. Content is deadly. Content is deadly. And Sometimes I, I find, man, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good. I look around and people around me, I feel like I'm pretty good when it comes to my, my walk with God, my knowledge of His Word, and so become content. And content then breeds a lack of motivation or desire to pursue it with a fervor that maybe I had earlier in my faith. You know what I'm talking about? We have to really consider what are we willing to do to, to deepen our knowledge of God, to deepen in our understanding of his word and maybe we would be more willing to get up early in the morning when we were on fire for Jesus some years ago but maybe now it's like I kind of really want to sleep in maybe it's just me but or maybe I would have been more willing to humbly confide in somebody else and seek wisdom from them, kind of opening up a little bit of 
my dirty laundry to them. More willing to do that back then when it was whatever it takes to draw closer to God, right? I'll do it. But now, I'm a little more prideful in my spiritual walk. Less willing to do that. Open myself up, right? Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's going to the altar, you know, on a Sunday morning when my, I'm really struggling with a lot, but that would require somebody to see that I'm opening up. You know, maybe I would have been more willing to go to the altar when I was just uh, had such a burden on my heart about my sins and a need for Jesus. But now, I care more a little bit about what people think of me, right? You know what I'm talking about? What are you willing to do to pursue God's wisdom? And maybe I was willing to do a lot more then, and now I'm more comfortable now. Well, he says in these first five verses, really three components to getting wisdom. What it takes to get wisdom, or what it takes to deepen in in wisdom. First, it takes hearing it. Very simply, just hearing it and, 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 and receiving it. Right? The first f- part of verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. My son, if you receive my words. And, and verse 2, my son, if you make your ears attentive. Right? So there's just this first component of hearing. Hearing wisdom is necessary to get wisdom. Though obviously it takes somebody else that would bring it to you or I as the hearer. And that's why missions are so important, right? That we would get the message out to people, that they would receive the Word of God and be transformed by it. That's why next week we have our missionary coming and speaking. And that's why we're giving financially to Annie Armstrong, that we would get the message out that people would receive God's Word and make their ears attentive to it because that's necessary for us to get the wisdom from God and ultimately relationship with God, we have to hear it. But not only is it on other people to get it to us, but as the person that needs to deepen in God's wisdom, it, it's on us, isn't it, to surround ourselves with it, with people that would speak it to us. I'm not going to receive God's word well, and I'm not going to put my ear or get my ear attentive to it if I'm not surrounding myself with it regularly. I'm not going to hear God's wisdom when I'm not surrounding myself with it at all. And so I have to, and you have to, be in places where the wisdom of God is is regularly being spoken or, or utilized or pointed to. I think it's a little silly to get frustrated that I'm not growing in my walk with God if I'm not surrounding myself with atmospheres that would be conducive for growth in God. You know what I'm talking about? I'll give you, give you a little analogy. I mean, Judah right now, he's, um, he's on this thing for finding things where, uh, where you I say, hey, Judah, where's your little blue cup? And he'll just go around the whole house looking for it. And he'll lift up like, like a, a speck, and he's like, no, and he'll walk over and grab a tissue box, and no, you know, and he'll, he'll look underneath my shoe, like he'll lift my leg up, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, no, you know, just looking everywhere, and uh, 
You're looking in all the wrong places and getting discouraged when you don't find it, but I think that's true with us as well. We're kind of like that when I just want to grow with God. I just want God to speak to me. I want God to, to deepen my understanding of His Word, but we're not putting ourselves in, we're not looking in the right places, right? We're not getting ourselves in His Word. Somebody might not be coming to church regularly, or the friend groups that they have aren't Christians, and then they wonder why they're not growing. But you have to hear it first. It's the first component. You have to hear it. I think it's really amazing. A girl came this morning uh, for the first time in 10 years to Emmanuel. Uh, she, she went to the youth group a long time back. She's 24 now, uh, baby on the way, and she heard. She heard it. Her ears, right? She was in a place where she could hear it, and she afterwards talked to me after service and said, I, wh- how can I join this church? How can I be a part of it? What do you guys have going on? Is there a membership class? And I was like, yes, that's amazing. But it took her 10 years. She came today, and she heard. It takes hearing. It takes coming and surrounding yourself and hearing. That's the first component. The second component, though, is not just hearing it, but then actually valuing what you're hearing. Tracking with me? He says, if you receive my words, but then also, the second part of verse 1, but it also you have to treasure up. Not just receive it, but treasure up my commandments with you. And then the second part of verse 2 as well. Not only make your ears attentive to it, but inclining your heart to it. There's a big difference and receiving it here and receiving it here, right? And so you can hear it and it do absolutely nothing. So the first component necessary is hearing. The second component is valuing and being receptive. We need to be receptive to God's Word, not pridefully dismissive. Pride will kill growth in God's wisdom. Humbly receptive. It takes seeing our need. It takes seeing our inadequacies. It takes seeing the the wealth of knowledge in God's Word. Seeing my puny brain. Saying, "I, I need a lot of that. I don't have much. It takes humility to treasure up and incline our hearts. God's Word, not only hearing it, but valuing it. And then thirdly, not only valuing it, but then putting action to that value and pursuing it. That's, that's verses 3 and 4, is it not? Yes, if you call out, look at all the action words here. If you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, and if you search out for it as hidden treasures, so you have to pursue it, not just incline your heart to it, but actually put some, put some feet and hands to your love for it. In other words, it's going to take effort to grow in our understanding of God's Word. So it's something that you and I all have to honestly consider. You have to take inventory of your life. Have you lost your, your burn inside you? to grow. 
as that flame withered? Have you grown apathetic or content? You have to value it, but then not just want it. You have to chase it. You have to call out. You have to scream for it. Raise your voice. Seek it. Search for it. Takes effort. Yeah, God is sovereign over individuals coming to know Him. No doubt. He elects. He chooses. But still, there is a need for us to actively, those who don't know Jesus yet, to actively receive Him. Right? I mean, John 1.12 says, To all who received Him, He gave the right to be children of God. So it takes action. So that's really what it takes to get wisdom. What it takes to get wisdom. Now, the rest of the chapter, the rest of the letter, the longer portion of it, is about what it gives. Not what it takes from you, but what it gives to have wisdom. And Solomon, to his son, Rehoboam, really says that the primary function, at least that he mentions here, of wisdom in his life gives him a protection. Wisdom, as you pursue it, what it gives you is protection. One of many functions. Let me, let me read verses 6 through 11 here and notice all the terminology here of how it protects us. As we receive it, this is what it gives us. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Okay, what does this do? Well, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, watching over the ways of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your hearts and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. We've already talked about what it takes to get wisdom, but let's talk about what it gives you to have wisdom. Protection. Protection. And that's really, it's really a lot of what we were talking about this morning, if you remember. First John 5, verse 18. Remember this? Let me read it again. I think I've got it. First John 5, verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who, that's Christ, he who was born of God protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. Right? Just as the centurion guarded the tomb with spear and sword, Christ and his wisdom and his word within us stands guard for us. It protects us from the evil one that the evil one can't touch us. As situations come up, as, as people come and approach us and, and offer for us to join in on something or to support something, this will protect us from a lot of bad decisions. Right? It's protection. Protection from what or whom? Well, he gives two. I think they're symbolic of broader concepts. Firstly, from men with perverse actions or intentions. 
bad company. This is the easiest way to say that. It's protection from bad company. Let me read verses 11 through 15. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, right? We get those things from God, from His Word, dwelling in it, soaking it up. They will watch us and guard us, delivering you from the ways of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the uh, perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. That's the first group that God's Word will protect us from is bad company. There are those who in this life are bad company, bad influences for you. I don't care what age you are. I don't care how spiritually mature you are. None of us are exempt from bad influences being a threat. Whether it be on the news that we watch or the gossip group we have coffee with or even the person sitting in the pew next to us, we should always be on guard for bad influence and bad company. It's always there no matter what age you are, no matter where you live, it's there. We have to look for God's Word and how to be protected from those individuals. And this is hard, right? Because we can't just put ourselves in a bubble. You know what I mean? You can't. You can't. Because the Bible would call us not to do that. We need to be protected from the bad, bad influences, the, the, the evil men with perverse intentions, who way, who, whose ways are crooked, right? We want to be protected from that, but we also don't want to be so distant from that that we can't reach them. On the one hand, the kingdom of God won't expand if we don't befriend sinners. Amen? We have to befriend sinners. I mean, we, would be not, we wouldn't be following Christ's example if we didn't. Jesus hung out with sinners. He spent time with tax collectors and prostitutes. 1 Corinthians 5.9, Paul says that we should also not remove ourselves from the world. It says, don't associate with Uh, Do not associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world, right? So don't associate with sexually immoral people, but I'm not meaning the sexually immoral people of the world. Since then, you would need to go out from the world to do that. I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexually immoral or sexual immorality or greed. So Paul's saying, you need to keep associating with people in the world that are sexually immoral, Have friendships with them. They need your influence. So befriend them, but on the other hand, we must be careful of having their company. We need to be careful of of having their company. I mean, in the same letter, ten chapters later, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Same author, same letter, conflicting concepts, spend time with the sexually immoral of the world, be careful. 
bad company ruins good morals. So what is Proverbs saying here in Proverbs 2? Well, if you look, he's saying that God's Word protects us from the evil one. He never says that we should stop being with them or spending time with them, only that He can protect us from their influence. Right? And so let's take this out of, let's take this from, the, from this passage. We should spend time with those in the world. Yes, we should. But we should spend even more time soaking up God's wisdom. Be careful that that ratio doesn't get mixed up. I don't think you should be surprised if your morals start going askew when you're spending more time with worldly people than you are with God's Word. Spend time with people in the world, but we need to be spending more time soaking up God's Word so that you become an influence in their life, but you're not influenced by their life. Say that again. So that you will be an influence in their life, but they won't influence you. That's the desire there. So that's the first group that we are protected by the Word of God from. The second group, he says, is the Word of God protects us from women of perverse temptations. So more, this is more to the sexual nature of temptation. This is verse t- verses 16 through 19. Again, he's still talking about the wisdom and the righteousness and how it guards and protects. Verse 16, so that you will be delivered from or protected from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her path to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So this is to a son, okay? Um, From a father to a son. But let's just acknowledge, if this was from a father to a daughter, right? Same rules apply. It would just be easily written about an immoral man who's trying to lead a young lady astray, right? So, this applies to everyone still. But notice here, notice in this passage, that the temptress walked away from her God. You see that? In... Verse 17, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. She walked away from her God and will lead others away from that life as well. That's verses 18 and 19. None who go with her will come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So, practical insights from this for you is not only does it take effort to gain wisdom, it also takes effort to keep and preserve wisdom. Because there's always that person that's trying to lead you astray. There's always those individuals who will try to pull you into the death trap that they're living in, down the path that they're walking. So it takes effort to hear, to value, 
to run after wisdom. But even once you have wisdom, there's always that person that's trying to pull it away. And so it takes effort to seek it and keep it. So I guess I would give the same advice as I did to the, the guys getting baptized this morning. is Find a comfy chair and get a tattered Bible. We have to know God's Word. Because there's never a time in our lives or our walk with Jesus where we're safe from the evils of this world and the people around us. This Bible needs to become tattered and we need to fall in love with it. Also notice in verse 17 again that the, the, the tempters um, are off limits because they're already in a covenant with another person. Which is a side note. I, I just noticed that and it was worth saying. Right? She forsake the companion of her youth. Right? She's off limits because of that. There are gray areas in life, right? Just in general. With a lot of circumstantial things that make things very confusing, like, oh, is this right? Is this wrong? What would God have me do in this? There's a lot of gray area in life because we just live in a very complicated world, don't we? It's a very complicated world. People come to me for, for advice, and they're like, what do I do in this situation? And they kind of explain it, and I'm like, that one's a hard one. Okay. You know, because it's just we live in a very complex world with complex situations. This isn't, though. There's also a lot of black and white when you read this book. There's a lot of very clear-cut, off-limit things. She was off-limits because she had a companion already. And I think there's a lot of black and white areas, obviously far more beyond than that, that we need to see and consider. Okay, concluding remarks. That was just a side note. Concluding remarks, verse 20. He says, so you will walk in the... Ways of the good and keep the paths of the I just, can I just stop for a second? I just, I love that. That's the letter from the father to the son. And he says, so you will. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but it's not like, so I really encourage you to, or son, I really think it's best. Um, you can just tell the, the, dad, the dad voice there, right? I'm just writing it. Son, you will walk in the ways. You know what I'm talking about? Just kind of, just kind of, you can just, you can just picture the dad. You will respect any young lady you ever take out. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and I, just, I just read that in Solomon's voice here in verse 20. So it's not so I encourage you. He says, so you will. You will walk in the ways of good. Still, we need to take from this that um, as stern as you can be, as blunt as you can be, you can never force your kid to love Jesus. If you know the rest of the story, you can read it in Kings, Rehoboam doesn't, does he? Under Rehoboam's leadership, the, the whole nation splits in half because he was not living a godly life. So no matter how stern Solomon can be, no matter how blunt he can be, no matter how forthright he can be with the Word of God at the end of the day, he has no control, ultimate control over whether or not his son will take these words or not. And I think that's true for you and I as well, right? Kind of hard pills to swallow sometimes because don't we want control? Don't we want to just force it on them to love Jesus? And but you can't. You can't. You can pray for him and trust God and his sovereignty to direct their hearts.
And thank God that he's a whole lot better at that than you and I. <laughs> They're in better hands, trust me, being in God's hands. So, that, that, that's, uh, let's mention that there. Verses 21 and 22, after he says, So you will walk in the ways of good. He says, For the upright will inherit the land, and those who with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and treacherous will be rooted up from it. As I just mentioned, Rehoboam does eventually inherit the land, and he destroys it. There's serious blessing that comes with wisdom and serious consequences that come with rejecting it. So, this is, as I'm clu- concluding here, how's the whole letter right there? Um, personally, never stop pursuing wisdom. Never stop pursuing the treasures that it beholds. More than that, let's, stop, let's never stop praying for our church, for people in it, maybe even yourself, that we would hear, but then we would value, never get complacent. And man, I want a church that is just running after Jesus. And so let's pray for that. Let's pray for that and trust God that He will bring that kind of revival and passion and flame in maybe your heart, but in the hearts of our church, our city, our nation, that we would have people on fire for knowing more, pursuing more of God. Wouldn't that be amazing? It'd be really amazing. I'd love to see it. Well, let me pray for us and uh, finish up with, with a song. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.